This podcast discusses content that may be triggering for some listeners. Please be advised, discussions include gambling language, types of gambling, and addiction. Hello and welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center under the New York Council on Problem Gambling. Across New York State, we have seven resource centers dedicated to connecting individuals to care. We are here to increase awareness about problem gambling and advocate for support services for persons adversely affected by problem gambling. Gambling is defined as risking something of value on a game of chance. There can be many types of gambling and it can affect anyone at any time in their life. It may not be talked about often and kept in the dark, but we hope this podcast sheds light on the hidden addiction of gambling and brings forth resources and information for you to use. Hello, welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. Today we will be discussing recovery. It September is recovery month, and we are grateful to have two guests with us this um, this afternoon talking about their recovery journey in, with gambling addiction. So welcome, Michael. Welcome, Mike. <laughs> it's Mike. And welcome, Brian. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for having us. <laughs> So uh, with that said, and with all these wonderful introductions, I, oh, I'm also remiss that I am Leilani Geyser-Reed, and I am the team leader for the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center. Uh, we have Colleen Jones and Amanda Quintana, and as the PGRC, the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center, we are always here to increase awareness around problem gambling and always connect people who are struggling with gambling addiction as well as as well as those who are adversely affected by it so that is what we do so let's get into it so if you can give me just describe what your last day of gambling looked like felt like what was it like to you when you decided that I wanted to stop today. Sure, I'll go. I can tell you. Oh, go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Uh, well, my last day was in Las Vegas, uh, and it it was a it was not fun in any regard whatsoever. I, I walked out of the casino, and and that was it because I had done enough financial damage that that was it. I had no choice in the matter. It was it, and I had accumulated enough. Um, debt and my I was just sick to death of everything that I I called my friend which I hadn't done in a long time and said hey I did it again and I need help and that's because I had had last days previously entered recovery relapsed done the cycle again and so this time I called him and you know to his credit he was trying to help me from his office in Michigan while I was in Las Vegas walking out of the casino uh, and he was trying to get me a lot of debt counseling stuff like that you know I was trying to solve this giant mound of problems that I had created in about five minutes. I was like, all right, we got to solve this now because what am I going to do? And so my whole, I had moved to California and I was driving over to Las Vegas to gamble. And this whole reason I moved to California, I, 
I thought this whole thing is going to blow up now. Like my whole life is changed now from what I thought it was about to be because I went and gambled again. And that really sucked to be frank. Mm. Mike, how about your experience? Okay. So um, like Brian, my, my first uh, attempt to stop gambling was in 2017. I had hit rock bottom. Uh, you know, debt, debt, debt is one part of the gambling, but uh, the remorse and the shame that you feel uh, and um, the constant uh, battles with making up losses every night, you, you can't sleep. Uh, so that brought me to Gambles Anonymous the first time in 2017. And I was, I was, I was really a broken man. Um, and then within about six months, I started feeling better and convincing myself that, okay, I control my gambling. And um, that was the problem. I was out of control. And uh, I went, as we say, I went back out. And um, it was like all the predictions. It was, it was more accelerated. I gambled harder, faster, and uh, in a shorter period of time than I had gambled before. So when I went back to gambling, it, it was twice as bad. Um, so I had kind of like an intervention. My, my family could sense and see changes in me when I was gambling, which is uh, I'm very disconnected, very short tempered, uh, can't focus on anything and always angry and upset. So my family confronted me and um, asked me if I was gambling again. And I said, yes. And then I, I went and sought help with at Gamblers Anonymous. And uh, I've been back and uh, haven't gambled since April of 2019. So um, that was my journey back. Wow, thank you so much for both of you for sharing um, both of your experiences. You know, we know that this road to recovery, you know, as both of you mentioned, can include twists and turns and bumps. Um, but we're so glad that, that, you know, we can be with you at this point in your journey to recovery. We're so grateful for you, you know, sharing uh, your experiences. Um, you know, before we, you know, continue to get into this conversation, I realize that we're going to give both of you an opportunity to present yourselves as this, you know, as this butterfly, right, as you transform um, into this next, next chapter. Um, would you guys like to share any words about just a brief introduction about yourselves? Sure. Uh, I'm Brian Hatch. I'm 39. I'm married. I have a two-year-old who, you know, she's a two-year-old, but she's cool. Uh, and uh, I stopped gambling July 23rd of 2014, the final time. And then um, I, I know you all because I do a podcast about gambling addiction, much like yourselves. And so that's what I've been doing since. And it's been, it's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful experience, but yeah. I'm, uh, I, I did not graduate college, so I, I have no career path here. So I'm just sort of floating through trying to get to the next day. Thank How you. about yourself, Michael? Do you want to introduce yourself in any type of way? Sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, Michael, I'm uh, 64 and a half years old. I'm a married father of three, three adult children. Um, I spent a good part of my life, my whole working career as a, as a MRI technologist. I, uh, I dropped out of high school when I was 15 and I spent some time in blue collar jobs. And then I went back to college. I put myself through college uh, and graduated in, in, in 1986. Uh, I got married in 1986. 
and I pursued a career in, uh, in diagnostic uh, radiology. And um, it was always a good career. I was always able to make money and support my family. Um, and uh, had, have a good family life. It's very, it, it's very, very focused and very solid with my wife and my kids. When I started gambling, I developed this, uh, this split personality. Um, and all of my money that was made legally uh, was paid directly to our checking accounts. And then all the money I needed for gambling, I made illegally. So uh, my wife and my family never really knew uh, how much money I was making on that end of my life and what I was doing. Um, you know, I had mentioned it in GA and I think I mentioned it's racial. I had got involved in, in my career with a lot of people that were either service engineers or field service engineers or repair people. So I had access to uh, parts and facilities uh, that were maybe uh, shutting down. And during my, the height of my gambling career, I was doing some things to get equipment and to sell it on the black market. And uh, I was able to do that. And then there was a point in my life, uh, my last time before I went back to Gambles Anonymous, where I knew that I had been somewhat fortunate in not being caught in doing these acts of grand larceny, breaking and entering, criminal trespassing, uh, on and on and on. And I knew, I knew if I got caught that it was going to end my life. To preface that, when I was younger, I had gotten a felony conviction for a gun charge because I wanted to have a gun and I got caught with that and I was arrested for that. And I knew that if I got arrested again, that I would not only destroy my life, but I would destroy my family's life. So that was another facet of why I wanted to get clean and get straight and you know, get my life back in, in order because gambling just ruined, almost ruined it, almost, almost ruined it. It's interesting how you bring up um, the criminal aspect of uh, the how that can um, be incorporated with somebody who has a gambling addiction. And a lot of times right now with our work, we have been trying to do a lot of um, develop a lot of information around close connections. Right. And whether close connections with uh, uh, mental health, close connections with the health care system, close close connections even with the criminal system. And it, it's important for uh, people in those various fields to really understand how they intersect. Um, and it's not just a person uh, going to a casino to gamble. There's many, obviously, there's many different ways to gamble, but how is the person getting the money if they're not dipping into their own personal funds or they're, um, they may be dipping into a, a family member or friend's funds, but then they also can be um, doing things illegally to support their habit. And right. I'm, I'm very grateful that you, you brought that up because that is important for people in the criminal justice uh, field to really hear. It was a big, big part of my gambling addiction, part of my addiction, because I thought I was slick. I had borrowed money from banks. I had done, you know, credit card cash advances. And then when I started, you know, having like this larcenist mind saying, oh, this is how I can, this is how I can get money and, and I won't have to pay it back. And uh, 
you know, going down a criminal path, whether it's people I know who, who had gambling problems or that were selling drugs or, or doing other things, uh, you know, we, we know that, you know, the addiction can cause you to, you know, have a lot of other problems in your life, not just, not just the gambling. The gambling is the, 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 the facet that, you know, uh, you know, is attached to so many other things. It's attached to so many other things. Thank you. Um, so what was the moment or like, I know, um, uh, Brian, you had mentioned about reaching out to your friend for help. What did it feel like to reach out to help? You know, did you feel, was there a feeling attached to it? Anything? I don't want to put a, a word to it, but just anything. What was the feeling that you had? And if there was a person that you wanted to reach out to, but felt that you couldn't, what, what did that process feel like? Well, I mean, the person I wanted to reach out to answered the phone. So it worked out for me. Um, I mean, he had been my friend who first told me when I was 24, we walked out of a casino together and he looked at me and he was the only one out loud who said, you have a gambling problem. And I knew I had one, but I had never heard anybody else tell me. And he witnessed it firsthand. And so he's the one I called, you know, he's my best friend. And um, so when I called him, I'll answer part of your other question. I had uncontrolled emotions. I didn't get a word out. I called him and I was like, hey, because I knew I was about to cry. And then once I was able to just, I, I, the only thing I, I got out was I did it again. And I think he knew what that meant. Uh, and then sort of my emotions just released in the form of tears and breathing heavy. Um, but the person I, I went to tell picked up right away. So I was lucky. Mm. Otherwise, that four and a half hour trip back to Los Angeles would have been a very lonely road. And I don't know what would have happened. So thank God he did pick up. Thank you. Mike? Yeah, I was, um, I was at the end of my emotional rope. I, was, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to run away. That's what I wanted to do, just get my car and leave and go set up my life somewhere else and start all over. Um, I had thoughts about, you know, killing myself to solve the problem. Um, that's how distraught I was. And um, then I made the decision to get help, starting with going to GA. And yeah, that, that, that time that you go back, uh, you feel embarrassed, but you know there's people there that understand and have been through the same thing. And it is kind of relief. Like you said, Brian, you know, everything comes out of you because you know you're starting to take the, the right steps to get help. And uh, no matter what, uh, there's people there that are going to help you. And um, it's, it's very emotional when you finally let go and say, okay, I have a problem and I want help and uh, I'm going to seek the help and, and try to do this. Well, that's it. I didn't have a particular person. It was all the other members of GA that have all been through it. They've been through the same thing. Thank, thank you both for sharing that. And I think it's, you know, important as we're having this conversation too, to know that there are those resources available. I mean, one is GA, right? GA is a great, great resource to call. Um, you know, they have a 24 hour hotline, but, you know, also part of our work here at the Problem Gambling Resource Center is getting people connected to care. So if you don't know who to call, you know, obviously one of the points that we're doing this podcast is we hope that people are listening who might be, you know, if they're on the fence, do I need help? Do I have a problem? 
just call up, right? And we can help you out. And one thing I kind of, as you both were talking, um, one thing I would like to know is if you were to give advice to someone right now who's struggling, what, what would you tell them? You know, what would about recovery, about your journey, or just about what, you know, if they're struggling, what they, what they should do? I, I, I knew I had a gambling problem really early, um, but I didn't want it to end. I kept thinking I will win my way out of this, right? And, and so, but I knew if I said it out loud, it's over. If I go tell somebody, it's over. And so what I tell people now is go tell somebody right now, drop everything you're doing. You don't get to go place that last, you know, people always want to have their last cigarette. Like I'm going to have one more and then I'm done. You got to just right where you are today. You have to tell somebody and you can't tell somebody online. Don't go on Twitter and tell somebody, tell a human being who can console you, who will be a friend, make them care about you because they will. Generally, people care about each other. And when you say, I have this problem and I'm struggling, and if they blow you off, make them understand that this is a very detrimental problem to your mental health and to your life. And just make them understand. Tell somebody right now today. And from there, you know, you could go, you could relax a little. That weight needs to be lifted off your shoulders. I love that message of kind of including someone else because I think oftentimes specifically with gambling addiction, it can feel so alone, right? You can feel so isolating and exactly what you're saying, right? Get that weight off of your shoulder. So that way, you know, you don't have to share the burden by yourself, right? You know, sharing with one person won't solve all the problems, but at least you'll have two minds working to find a solution, right? And maybe two minds will say, oh yeah, I've got this resource. I've got this connection. I've got this support, whatever that may be. But the more, the more hands that you have to help is always a benefit. Mike, would you have anything to, to add? Anything that you'd advise? Sure. I mean, um, if, if somebody's out there, sitting out there now watching this podcast or going to listen to it and um, they're a little uncertain or they don't have the confidence to think they can stop gambling, you know, first of all, you have to look at what, what's available here. I mean, there's a lot of resources and, um, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And I can speak personally from my experience. I feel so much better about my life and myself that I've started back on this road to recovery. And I reached out to different agencies and different people and picked and pulled from different resources. And uh, you're not alone. You're right. There's a, there's a lot of resources and people and that, are, that are available to help. And, and it does help. You know, staying in contact um, through the New York State Council on uh, Gambling, I got I got a therapist who you know helps me with with other problems uh, aside from the gambling that might have contributed to it. So um, you have to make the first step, and nobody can do it for you. And all I can tell you is the you, you, the feeling that you get getting your life back again. Nothing can replace that because I know as a problem gambler, I, I gave up eating sometimes to gamble. I had no gas in my car. I couldn't pay my bills. That's, that's no existence, you know, and, and, you know, the money problems will get solved, but if you're, if you're out there and you, and you take these steps to get into recovery and get your life back together, it's, it's very rewarding, very rewarding. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, You know, that actually brings me to my next thought, right? So as we mentioned before, September is recovery month. 
we're working to celebrate recovery, not only from problem gambling, but, but all addictions, right? And recovery is not only something that can be had by someone in recovery from an addiction, but also their family, their friends, right? Like we know this recovery is such a big word. So I wanted to ask both of you, what does recovery mean to you? What does that look like? How does it feel if, if you could describe it? So I'm generally just sort of a abstinence works for me. Um, and anything on top of that is gravy. Not gambling has created my world to be so much better. Now, yes, I have character defects I need to work on, but we all do. I could be a better whatever, but we all could, right? So we're all, as I do believe uh, uh, Jim said when I visited, uh, we're all in recovery, right? But not gambling doesn't give me that extra burden. It doesn't give me that extra worry. It doesn't make my life miserable. All of that goes away after a while. And, and the urge to gamble goes away after a while after you just stop gambling. But now, you know, I'm seven years in. I'm not worried I'm going to go gamble. What I am worried about, though, is that, I, that I'm not the same things that irritated me before still irritate me and why. And so that's what I'm exploring now. And so I guess, you know, maybe all these years I wasn't in recovery because I was just being abstinent. I'm not really sure. To me, it's recovery. I'm not gambling. That's my main concern. Don't gamble. Everything else gets better. That's me. I can't wax poetic about being in recovery and, and going through the steps because I really didn't go through the steps. It's, it's been a different journey for me. And so um, uh, I think maybe Mike will touch on some of that, hopefully, but that's what it is for me. I think that's all we can ask is just what is, what, what has, or what, what is working for you and what was your journey? So thank you. That's, that's your journey. And it may be similar to somebody else's. Mike, do you have any a different experience or the same? Uh, well, I like what Brian said. It, 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 um, de I definitely identify with, with some of that. Um, you know, we we look at it like, uh, well, I have to. I'm powerless over gambling, so I have to realize that I'm powerless over gambling. And once I recognize that, give that power up to something else. And and you know, I'm not a step person either. But my recovery journey has been definitely one day at a time and definitely trying to get back to who I am uh, as a person and learning, learning to love myself and not in a narcissistic way. But uh, gambling is a very, is a very uh, uh, you know, a, a masochistic thing to do to yourself. And I found for me, uh, I, I tolerated and did a lot of things because I didn't like who I was or didn't love who I was. And now that I stopped gambling, I'm learning who I am. Um, I'm accepting who I am and I'm not letting people use me as a doormat and not be letting people, you know, take control over me. And my recovery for me is learning who I am and being proud of who I am and of my accomplishments and, and it's uh, it, the journey is one day at a time, but as time goes by, you know, I'm racking up the months and the years and, and I'm proud that I'm not gambling and I feel good about that. Thank you both. Um, one thing I, I did actually like that you said, you know, you said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a step guy, right? So we're talking about the GA. A lot of people think is focused on the steps, right? Right. And I think it's also important when we're in this recovery journey that recovery is different for everybody, right? Not everybody 
it, GA is not for everybody. There, there might be other recovery supports out there. Seeing a clinician one-to-one -one might be what works for you. Um, and that's, that's important to take note of too. So I just want to thank you for bringing that up because I yeah. think a lot of people sometimes get a little scared about GA or get scared of this recovery kind of group. Um, you know, you feel really vulnerable um, when you go in there. So like I said, I think it's just important to note that it's different for everybody and everyone's journey is going to be different. Right, right. And if, if I had conversations with Brian, we would share a lot of different things and it would be like a GA meeting. You know, we're yeah. sharing our experiences and, you know, what we went through and where we are now. And, you know, congratulations to you for being, you know, gambling free for so many years. That's, that is a great accomplishment. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I just wanted to add, I don't, when Mike said getting back to who he was, I started gambling, I mean, as an adult at 18 in a casino. I mean, six months after I turned 18, I started gambling and that was it. And I was off. And so I'm not quite sure who I am. These last seven, you know, I, I think about who I was back then and all those times. I'm still not sure. So I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Um, so thank you for saying that. Cause that reminded me of that, that I just, I gambled my entire adult life. So I'm not sure who I am. Well, can I add to that? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, my gambling career started a little bit after years. I mean, I dabbled a little bit when I was younger, but in terms of, in terms of compulsion, it started with a little bit later for me. Um, and I found that I became this, I was always a dreamer. I was always the kind of guy who liked to dream and dreams made me happy to think about things. As a kid, I dreamt about bicycles and cars. But when I became a gambler, I really, really started believing in that dream that I was going to hit it big. I was going to be a big shot and I was going to solve everyone's problems. And through this recovery journey, I, I never hit it big. I can't solve everyone's problem, meaning my kids and my family. And, and money's not going to, money wasn't, wasn't always the thing that was going to solve the problem. And all of that made me for, forget who I really was as a person and made me create this kind of dreamer, want to be a big shot, kind of high roller guy. And that's what I mean when I say I'm getting back to who I am. I'm a very simple person. I like simple things in life. I, you know, enjoy just cooking and having a glass of wine and watching TV. And I don't have these big grandiose dreams and, oh man, I, you know, and, and I, I, I think I'm gonna share this with you, Brian, the times that you did win, and even if it was a relatively big winning, I never felt good about it. It was never enough. It was always like, oh, Jesus, I, you know, I, I should have won 150,000, not 15,000. And I never, after a while, if you're at that point in your gambling career, you're a compulsive gambler and you need to stop. And that's where I was in my life. Well, too, and, you know, I can't win because I can't quit. You know, you don't leave the casino. You stay. I would just, I would take half the money, put it in my pocket and like, I'm only going to gamble this now. And then I'm right back in my pocket and getting it. Something I, you know, I don't know who invented this thought, but um, I just heard it recently in my problem gambling support group, which is that everything I was looking for while gambling, I found in recovery. And I mean, once you understand that, it just clicks and you go, oh, okay, now I get it. Can you say that again? Everything I was looking for while gambling, I found in recovery. Beautiful. That is so profound. Yeah. It's not mine. 
Don't get me. I know. I know. <laughs> you stated that early. You stated that early, but I, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Just the thought. And even if you can't apply it to, um, to gambling addiction, you can apply it to various different parts of an individual's life. You know, um, what you found in maybe something that you were looking for, it may, and maybe it's, it's in another place and you need to go to that place. And even going back to um, what Michael said in terms of he wanted to go back to who I am. And then you stated, Brian, that you, because you started so early, you didn't, you didn't have the opportunity to figure out who you were. Maybe the question that you can ask yourself, who do I want to be? Oh, yeah, I like that. You know, if we if if we haven't figured out, you know, who we were or what we were, it's just who do we want to be? And like that that, that could be a, a, a another like a self-discovery, you know, um, part of you in your in your next journey. <laughs> yeah. And so and and thank you, Michael, for sharing some of your um self-care practices. Like you, you said you 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 cook. Did you say you cook? Maybe I don't. I love to cook. Okay, what's your favorite meal to cook? Oh, that's a tough one. Probably chicken cutlets. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I think that's a cool transition, right? So obviously, we've talked a lot about um, like pre-recovery, but I think it's also important to spotlight the really awesome things that recovery can bring like different healthy coping skills and mechanisms and the different hobbies and loves that you can kind of focus on. So Mike, one of yours that you mentioned was cooking and prior to us recording, you were saying that you were uh, building birdhouses. Are there any other things that you, um, either of you have kind of discovered or like reignited a love for um, that you've been able to focus on while in recovery? Um, well, I, so I, I do a podcast about gambling addiction and through that, when I was younger, I wanted to be a performer. That was what I wanted to do. And so this is sort of that. And so it, it's given me this love of talking and it's not quite the same, but it's in the ballpark, but it's also made me branch out and, and try some other projects that have nothing to do with gambling addiction. But in that, in that same vein, I, you know, with some friends of mine, we started doing a podcast just about movies because for the most part, it's just a great way for me to talk to friends that I don't get to see because I don't live near them. Um, the podcast, you know, take it or leave it, but it, it gives us it gives us an outline to talk to each other. And so that's I like that. Um, you know, for me, I just I just like hanging out with people. I just like being around other people and hanging out and, and enjoying ourselves. Um, I haven't it's weird. I haven't picked up a single hobby. I, I thought, oh, for sure, I'll be active and I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this and that. And I just haven't. I think there's something in me that still wants what I wanted when I was 23. And I think somehow I'm still chasing that. And that is both bad and good in that I'm. it's fun to still chase a dream. But also, is it sort of taken away from my existence right now and what I'm doing? Like, do I need to be chasing that dream anymore? Um so I don't know. I sounds like Mike has a lot more projects to do. I, I have house projects that, that I have to do, but it's not anything exciting. Well, I will say I listened to like in preparation for um, today, I was listening to one of your episodes that you released, Brian, and you said that you made a movie, right? I did. It, OK. All right. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good example. And I forgot. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I stopped gambling 
2014. And I started the podcast six months after I stopped gambling. And in a, in a large way, that is my recovery is the podcast because I'm talking about it all the time. Uh, talking about gambling addiction all the time. And when I started that, that was January. But I also decided that I had moved to California because that's what I wanted to do was to make movies and stuff. I moved out there way late, by the way. Go much earlier. Um, I was 31. And gambling, you know. And I decided... I'm not doing anything else. I might as well write a movie and then I can make it. If I write it, I can make it. And I thought, oh, I can't write a movie. That's insane. And then I started writing it. And I, you know, a week later, I had a script, 90 something pages of a script that I wrote. And I went, well, if I can do this, I can make a movie. I didn't know how to make a movie. I didn't know how to edit a movie, but I learned and I had all this free time and free brain space. And I, you know, that was probably the best year for getting stuff done that I've ever had in my life. So I do owe a lot of that to, to not gambling because it did free up my brain. I forgot, you know, all about that. I think because lately I haven't done anything, but yeah, I did. Um, I, we raised a little bit of money. I made the movie, but the movie sucked. It wasn't good or anything, but it was a wonderful experience for myself and my friends who helped me make it. We got together for a couple of weeks, made this movie. Um, and, and it really was something that now I think about that I would love to try again someday. Uh, but you're right. I did do that. Thank you. That's very cool. Yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was it literally a dream come true. Like, this is what I want to do. I mean, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but who cares? The experience is well worth it. Always. And experience it is always worth it. Filled all that, uh, filled a lot of time too, brain space. And I wasn't, I didn't have to think about gambling. I could right. think about other things. And that's hard too, that those early days, because all you can think about is gambling and worry and all that. And so to have something that can get you away from that. I know a lot of people who get into exercise and that's incredible. I dabbled in exercise and it was fun, but I'd never, it never really stuck. But those people who get into it in recovery are get amazing results because they're just so aware of their body's health now and their brain health. Now I'm going to have to go watch that movie, Brian. Is it like linked somewhere? Can we? <laughs> I can send you a copy. No, it is not. So what would be something that you're grateful for right now? I feel repetitive just going, oh, I'm grateful for not gambling because life is better. Um, but honestly, when I gambled, I couldn't afford food. You know, I would gamble, not have any money until paid it. And so I wouldn't be able to eat. I'm grateful that I have a fridge full of food. I used to eat, you know, I would buy peanut butter and cigarettes and that would fill me for the week. And now I can eat regular food. And that's just something that I'm so impressed with daily. I'm like, wow, there's food in the cupboard. This is amazing. How great is this? And I get to go out to dinner once in a while. And that's exciting. Um, I have a life now where I don't have to worry. I mean, everybody always has financial worries. That always happens. But in general, it's not a day-to-day -day concern of how I'm going to eat. And the burden that that takes off you is incredible. Um, so something simple like food is, is one for me. I mean, yeah, I'm grateful for my family and my wife and my child and all of the stuff that everyone's grateful for. But Specifically relating to gambling, food was a big one because without eating, I remember being angry all the time. And when you go to the casino all night long and then you go straight to work and you haven't eaten, slept, and you smell, now on top of it, your attitude sucks because you didn't eat anything and you're mad and angry and hungry. And it's just such a great relief to not have any of that anymore. It, I, you know, I think back to those days and I'm just, it makes me tired thinking about it. And I, I can't tell you what a relief it is not having that burden. Mike, do you have anything you're grateful for? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean it's, it sounds silly, but I'm grateful for everything now uh, where I wasn't before. You know, like Brian said, you know, you, when you put your head down, when you're a gambler uh, and you're addicted, you put your head down at night to go to sleep and you don't go to sleep. You think about, OK, how am I going to make up losses uh, today? Where am I going to get the money from? And uh, so I'm grateful that I just have my life back again. And um I'm more at peace. I'm not. Uh, I'm not constantly uh, stressed out. Uh, you know. Yeah, we have problems, money problems, and every other problem that everyone else has, but they're not compounded uh, by the whole world of, of being a compulsive gambler. Which is, you know, if you if in your mind you're you're so preoccupied with your gambling things that there's very very little room in your mind for normal day-to-day, uh, you know, encounters or uh, uh, dealing with normal everyday things in life because everything's focused around where you're going to get money to gamble and when can I get out there and gamble? And and that's a terrible, horrible existence that I don't have anymore. So I'm grateful for that. Awesome. I, I kind of, um, I, I was, before I asked the question, what are you grateful for? There was another question that I thought of after I said the question, but um, it kind of, I guess, flows into the gratefulness part of family and how has your family been supportive or how, how has it been um, going through the recovery journey with your family? All right, let me jump in with that one. <laughs> because in, in the beginning of the recovery process, uh, you know, your spouse is, isn't fully trusting of you. And, you know, you start to say to yourself, well, geez, I'm not gambling and, and she doesn't even trust me. But I realized early on that that trust has to be rebuilt. And I started valuing that trust a lot more and trying to build that trust a lot more by, uh, you know, letting her know, you know, where I am at all times. You know, if I had to go to the store and I was going to be detained because of traffic or something, I would call my wife and let her know because in the past it was always an excuse or a lie because I was out gambling and then I would blame it on these different things. And uh, so building the trust has been, has been is, 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 you know, a very rewarding thing for me, especially with my wife. Um, with my kids, they can see a difference in me. They, they recognize it very, very easily. Um, and they're proud of me too. So um, it's, it's, that's, that's been, it's, it's been a struggle back. It's, it's not easy. You can't take it for granted, you know, uh, but it's been a struggle back and it's something that I'm happy that I'm achieving, you know? That's a beautiful thing. And I'm glad that, you know, it, it has worked out in, in your favor and understanding and honoring yourself and just honoring yourself that you knew it was a journey that you had to take to get, you know, back and um, back with your family as, as, as you were, or not, maybe not as you were, or just, it's a new, it's a new space. And it's a, it's a beautiful space. So thank you for sharing. Um, Brian, do you have an experience that you want to share? Or... So this is good because we're, we were in two different positions when we were gambling, Mike. Um, I, I was a single person. Right. I mean, I dated, but it wasn't anything, you know, I wasn't married. Um, I did all of my gambling and stopped gambling before I met my wife. Huh? And 
So my family situation was my parents and my sisters to some degree, but well, no, to a big degree, I used to hit them up for money and lie to them about why I needed it. And they gave it to me and I gambled it. Um, but my parents, I remember telling them that I had, you know, I, the first time when I went to GA, telling them I had a, a gambling problem and I remember breaking down and crying and they were, they were wonderful. I mean, they wanted to help me pay things and they wanted, they were great. Um, and I think about the third time I confessed to them that I had gambled. I, they were still great, but a, a little less uh, with uh, time for that sort of stuff. Um, but my, my mom has been been wonderful um about the whole situation i mean she really saved my life in many ways um and so that was my family experience it was me being the son the youngest and dealing with a gambling addiction from that perspective when when i when i when i met my spouse now she so i it's it's always interesting to see how people talk about it with their spouse to me because I, my experience was this in that I wrote a book once and it wasn't good. So I'm not going to plug it or anything, but um, I wrote it and it was a lot about me and she read it before sort of, I even met her. She read it. Um, some friends had given it to her like, Oh, this is our friend. And, and then I met her and everything. And so when I met her, she knew everything about me of all the stuff that I had ever done. She knew it all. And kind of great i mean i got it all out of the way and then on our very first date i updated her with all of the gambling circumstances which was bankruptcy and that was the main thing to explain to her that uh, i had a gambling addiction i currently don't gamble but it is still in my life because i have to go through bankruptcy because of it and i think she was just impressed with all the honesty up front and so it really worked in my favor just to say everything and lay my Never mind. I almost used the phrase. Uh, lay my cards on the table. I showed her everything I had to offer and uh, she still accepted me. So I, you know, it goes to show you that people will accept you for who you they are. You just got to be honest with them. Well, I have, I have an interesting, actually two interesting stories. But the first one is um, when, when I went back into recovery, um, it was, it was prompted pretty much by my, my oldest son because um I was gambling in the morning because I would gamble morning, noon, and night. And um, I was always late for work. So it was the winter time and I was getting onto an entrance ramp to the throughway, and I skidded out of control and I crashed my car against the guardrail. Um, the car was still drivable, but I had a flat tire. So I couldn't get my, my spare tire off because the lug nuts were frozen on there. So I called my son, my oldest son who was home and I said, oh, Nicholas, bring me some of my tools. I need you to come here and help me get my tire off. So he came. We couldn't get the tire off, so I had to call a tow truck. So I called the tow truck, and uh, I knew the tow truck driver, and he was going to do the repair on my car. And then um, I wanted to give him a tip. So I said to my son, I said, oh, Nicholas, uh, can you lend me $20? Um, I want to tip Alan for, the, for helping me out here today. And my oldest son said, no, I'm not giving you any money. You, you left the house this morning with like $100. And where is it all? And I said, well, you know, I, I was gambling a little bit. And um, he didn't give me the money. And um, so we had, a, we had a little talk about that. And, he, you know, he said, well, you, need, you need help. And you, you should get the help that you need. <clears throat> On the second 
on the second time that I went I went back to Gamble's Anonymous, um, it, it reminded me of the, the movie with Johnny Cash, uh, you know, I Walked the Line. And um, because my wife uh, is, is a very, really good woman, she and she won't tolerate uh, me dragging her and the family down with gambling. So there was also a little bit of that, not fear, but respect for the fact that I, you know, I, I can't wiggle around and, you know, give up gambling for six months and then ah, go back and wiggle around again. It's, 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 I have to stop gambling and that's it for the rest of my life. I'm done. So uh, I just, I wanted to throw that in about how my family sort of, you know, in, in a sense, indirectly influenced me and um, play a role in my recovery or played a role in me getting to recovery. So. Support is, is such an, it's such an, a key and important factor in recovery. Um, whether you're receiving res support through um, loved ones like family members, or you're receiving support through GA or any uh, friends and other organizations, even us as, a, as the PGRCs, um, support is just key. Because while you're in the trenches, you, you you need somebody to lift you up or be there alongside with you. Um, they cannot, uh, in, in my view, they cannot obviously um, know exactly the feeling that you're going through everything, you know, step by step, but they can be supportive of you um, to hold your hand to do whatever. And uh, I think that is very key in recovering. You guys both have stated it wonderfully of how supportive people have been in your life, whether it was the first phone call that you, you the first person that you called to really um, acknowledge your gambling addiction or family members who, you know, like you said, Mike, who just didn't tolerate, you know, you're not going to bring me down, but I, you know, if, if you want to do this, we're going to do this together. You know, however it looks like uh, support at the end of the day is, is key. So, um, yeah. And go ahead. Oh, Leilani, I was going to say, I love that you brought up the family question as part of recovery, because I think once again, like Amanda was saying, a lot of people feel isolated, you know, when they are gambling, but it's important to remember that your family is part of that recovery as well, right? And they can support you, um, help you out, but they're also going through a tough time too, you know, that, that family that's supporting you and, you know, at the PGRC, you know, that's what we do. We don't only help problem gamblers, right? right? We help family members too. You know, Mike, I think before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about how, you know, Amanda and I get parents calling in about, you know, about their kids and spouses calling in as well. And we're able to help them too, because it's recovery is, is a family journey. Someone once described the road to recovery uh, to me as an actual road, right? And there's a car and the individual that's driving the car, like they've, they've got to drive that car, right? And so they might drive upon a detour. Like I said before, they might have bumps and twists and turns and all these kinds of things, but a road trip is always more fun with people in the car with you, right? And so the people that you have in the car, like you're, you're driving that car, but who's your shotgun rider, right? Who do you've got in the backseat? Who's 
who's playing the tunes to make sure that the road, regardless of what the road brings, is going to be one that is supported and at least you can kind of have some some laughs and some fun along the way. Um, and I think just one thing I also want to mention, right? Like family is obviously so important, but you know, for some people, and it's it's a blessing that your families were so supportive, but I do want to mention, you know, some people on this path may not have the same situation. Um, but that family is not always blood and it could be like an excellent friend. It could be um a support system that you get, whether it's at GA or any of the other um like AA, NA, smart recovery, right? Like that, whoever you have in your car on this road to recovery, um, it's all about just having that support. And I think that that message has just rang true throughout this whole podcast, but, you know, obviously in, in all the work that, that everyone on this call has done. So um, I just really appreciate all that you guys have shared so far. This has just been so, so wonderful. Thank you. Well, I have a, I have a quick question. So I, I learned about the problem gambling resource and through GA, right? But I kind of feel like that a lot of people don't know about the service that is not, like it's not in their forefront of their mind. Like, okay, I'm a problem gambler. I guess I'm gonna go to a GA meeting or find a GA meeting, which in a lot of areas, there isn't a GA meeting meetings uh, even in new york i mean it's the it's, it's the one in poughkeepsie or Bales gate or white plains so um so you guys have a lot of resources and a lot of us don't even know all of them or about all of them so it's almost like like i said i found out through problem gambling resources through ga and i feel like maybe it would have been better if i found out about you first and then ga even though it's worked out, you know, well with, um, you know, getting me a therapy, uh, uh, you know, private therapist and uh, working with, with uh, you know, doing this kind of stuff. But it's been very rewarding. But I don't know if the word is out there yet. Well, the first thing I want to say is we're very happy that GA had our information because that that means that somebody in GA knew about us, which is great. So we are working. Part of it is this podcast. You know, we as Amanda jokes, we will talk to anybody who has ears about, you know, who we are and what we do. Um, So, you know, keep spreading the word at GA. Let them know, because I know there's a lot of people in that GA meeting that aren't connected to therapists who might need it who might need the additional support, who might be struggling. And that's something, you know, we encourage everybody to do, share information. Yeah, and also, can I speak to another thing to that point? So there, there have been many, many, many transient people who just come into GA for one or two meetings and then we never see them again. And, and those might be the people that are, are maybe intimidated by the program or, you know, you know can't follow the rigors of it, but, but still... Are, are reachable. They still can be reached and, and helped. So um, I'm going to ask you to send me some some more I- information and literature, and we can have this at our at our meetings. You know, like hey, you know, like a new person, like if this is not working for you, you know, there's there's other facets. You know, and it's recovery is not just one thing or one step. It it's a it's a, it's a very broad spectrum, just like gambling is. You know. Yeah, no, definitely. And I I appreciate you bringing that up. One thing that we're constantly trying to do is get the word out there, right? Our program is still relatively new and things COVID, they got a little 
different, but we're still hanging in and doing what we can. But, you know, we're working hard just to get the information out there. And I appreciate you offering to, to share it because, you know, in addition to the podcast and around social media and things like that, word of mouth is always, it feels like the, the biggest driver to, to spread information. So if anyone's listening, you can also share with your friends. Um, but however we can support anyone impacted by problem gambling, that's what we're here to do. And Mike, we'll definitely, um, I'll either shoot you a text or give you a call. We can mail you out some literature for the, um, the GA meetings. Um, I'm, I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad that you got it from there. And, um, we, I know a couple of people who attend that, that meeting. So I'm glad. But we should add that there are several zoom meetings available to everybody everywhere. Um, including non GA zoom meetings that are, Mm -hmm. you know, part of other recovery avenues as well. So. Yes. You have internet, you can get to one for sure. Right. Indeed. Right. Which we haven't said, if anyone is listening and they're looking for support services, um, you can always give us a call. Um, Our phone number is 914-215-6440. We will definitely be including that in the show notes. Included in the show notes, I also want to shout out uh, Brian's podcast. Um, so I would love for you to, Brian, just share some information on where they can find the podcast um, because that's also an excellent resource just to get some information. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you could find it wherever you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, weird places on the internet where it seems to pop up. Um, just Google all in the Addicted Gamblers podcast, which if I knew I would tell people one day that they would Google that, I would have made a shorter name. But uh, we've got, I don't know, over 250 episodes now with people in recovery, people who work in the field, people you know well, and I hope to get yourselves on soon. Um, And I also just want to say thank you to the three of you because I know you guys answer the phones and that to me is one of the hardest jobs I've seen in this. I don't do it. And, and honestly, I get, I get some emails from people who are still struggling, but I don't get a ton of them. Uh, and so being on the front lines there and answering the phone to me is the hardest job in this field. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you, Brian. Thank can you, you repeat um, the name of your podcast again? Certainly. I'm sorry. I have a cold and it's not very nasally. Uh, All in the Addicted Gamblers podcast. All in the Addicted Gamblers podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, so I think that's a wrap. That is a wrap. Thank you. And uh, just a reminder, you can call or text our number um, at uh, 914-215-6440. And we'll also add our email in the show notes so that if you, you can email us as well, and we will connect you. PGRCs are statewide. There are seven resource centers um, throughout New York State, and we all do the same work. Increase awareness, connect those to services. So... Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, so much. Thank you so Brian, much. Thanks for your insight, too. It's great to meet you, Mike. This was so cool.